Stampede. Garner is in 175, recorded 312, 2023. You know, maybe my problem is that I'm too subjective, that I don't accurately state the facts. Well, maybe some people accuse me falsely predicting our future. It's true, I'm not an investigative journalist, or even a high-ranking ex-general offering opinions about the security in this country. No, I'd like to think of myself as an artist, and as such, I admit I could be subjective in describing what our future will be. I like to look at various signals, or should I say, guideposts from our past. It's those things which lead me in drawing conclusions about how we live and where we're going. Now, recently I was captivated by a murder trial broadcast on cable news channels. It illustrated some of the basic problems facing us and what our future might look like. It had all the sensationalism of the O.J. Simpson murder trial, but less about jealousy and rage and more about greed, arrogance, and addiction. It had all the symptoms plaguing our country. In no small measure, it indicted the consumerist economy for producing abnormal behavior and even much more. In this case, 
It was a man who stood trial and was convicted by a jury deliberating in three hours for murdering his wife and son. The exact motive for that crime wasn't clearly described, except to say the defendant admitted in the trial when he took the stand and questioned by the prosecuting attorney, confessed to being an addict. He stated he was addicted to prescription drugs and would often become paranoid. Now, put in the context of addiction and mental paranoia in our society, there are clear indications those two conditions are going to be a big part in our future. In 2017, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services officially declared an opioid epidemic, with deaths having increased over 500% since 1999. 48,000 people died from it in 2020. So the defendant in his trial for murdering his son and wife admitted he was an addict, and that's a problem in our society and our future. Murder is nothing new in this country. In 2022, there were nearly 23,000 people murdered. Surprisingly, that's less than the murders that took place in 1991. But even so, murder is once again rising. And it's not an exaggeration to say it's going to be in our future. And Yet the man who was recently convicted of murdering his wife and son was more than a case about addiction and brutal violence. No, that behavior is not unusual in our society. Perhaps the killing of his son is different because he used a shotgun at close range to blow his son's head off. That was definitely a singularly violent act, and 
he then shot his wife within minutes using a different rifle. Of course, speaking of violence, if you have someone who uses his car to run over and kill people in a parade, that also qualifies as a violent act. And in both cases, suggests there may be something happening to the way people in our country relate to one another. But this man, who was just convicted of murdering his wife and son, had other troubling personality traits. He wasn't part of the homeless with drug addiction assaulting innocent people on the streets of this country. No, he wasn't killing people trying to obtain money in a robbery to feed his addiction. And he certainly wasn't a young man who killed his grandmother to get money for his drug habit. No, this man owned a thousand-acre estate, was the head of an established law firm, had served as an officer in the county prosecuting attorney's office. No, this man who committed a heinous and violent crime was a drug addict and a pillar of success in his community. In the courthouse where he was tried, a portrait of his grandfather, who presided as a judge, had to be removed, preventing undue prejudice influencing his trial. But even more, this man took the stand in his own murder trial, allowing the prosecuting attorney to question him about his stealing millions of dollars from his clients. Practicing in his law firm, he stole millions from settlements in wrongful injury lawsuits. And that's an arrogance all too common. And it, too, is in our future.
As I said, murder is nothing new in this country, and neither is stealing. This man didn't just slaughter his wife and son, but during the practice of his law firm, he literally stole millions of dollars from settlements for people who had been severely injured in accidents. Money above and beyond what he received for his legal services. I can't remember exactly what figures were disclosed during his murder trial, but I think it was something like this. A client he represented was awarded $10 million for being permanently paralyzed in an accident. Being the lawyer in the case, he received if I remember, $4 million for his services. Now, any rational human being would think receiving $4 million from a $10 million settlement would be more than adequate. But no, that wasn't the case. From the remaining $6 million settlement for an individual who was now confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life, he stole several million from that six million. No, this man, who eventually would kill his wife and son, stole millions from a paralyzed client. And the thing is, he did this to several of his other clients he represented in lawsuits. Like I said, murder is nothing new in this country, and neither is stealing. I don't have to look very far to find some very ugly facts about what has been commonplace in our past. And it always causes me to take a deep breath when pompous, hypocritical people say how righteous we are as Americans because we're a nation of laws. Well, Evidently, there's something wrong because our laws aren't deterring murder, mayhem, and corruption out of some very proud American ideals. You can accuse me of distorting the truth, but our greatness has a long line of guilt. And you know what? A nation is like a living thing. And guilt doesn't produce pride. No, it produces a false pride.
the horrific murder of a wife and son, or even the arrogance of this established individual in a community stealing millions from people who were tragically injured by no fault of their own, should make you think something is wrong, that we're living history as a special people, founded on principles that make us different from the rest of the world. Our leaders keep reminding us of our uniqueness, that we're capable of unmatched virtuosity, of eminence, of power. So the killing of a wife and son and the arrogance by this valued individual stealing millions was nothing more than an aberration. But it wasn't an aberration, because this was a story that keeps being told like a looped piece of film playing over and over again. Within days, or perhaps weeks, there will be another mass killing or tragic event that makes us forget what recently took place. You see, it all starts blending into our subconsciousness so that we begin believing it's what we should expect, that our leaders are correct when they say we have nothing to worry about, that we're a strong people, a righteous people, and everything is still on track and we have a manifest destiny. Well, I'm here to tell you that something is wrong, that our future can't be what we've been promised. No, this land that we stole wasn't meant for us to keep. No, this land was our strength. It was beautiful and was and should have always been our true value. The theft of this land from Native Americans can never be erased, and the truth is we can never declare we own this land. You see, we can only borrow it for a while, and that was true for Native Americans as well. And as for killing, well, that wasn't anything new for us or for Native Americans. No, the destiny we've been promised isn't with contentment. We've only continued something that has lasted for a long time. But the land and its beauty can never be stolen because, in truth, we never owned it.
The truth is, America has been a violent country, and it looks like our future will be as well. The chance of our becoming peaceful is slim to none. And the prospects of our going through a second civil war seems likely. The facts are a financial meltdown isn't out of the question. Foreign conflicts with two powerful adversaries could spell an end to our using our militaries stationed around the world. And bringing them home, men and women trained in combat, could lead to them using their skills on the streets of our cities and in our rural communities. Bringing home soldiers trained in killing, disillusioned in failed military engagements, could result in their putting those same mental and physical conditions to work, turned inward, toward a government that had falsely used them to risk their lives. Fighting our enemies in foreign lands to protect us at home may result in them fighting in our backyard to bring down corrupt practices by our own institutions. That's called a revolution with people committed to putting an end to failed policies, false promises, and lies that we were fighting to defend the principles of democracy while war was making some people rich at home. When you train people to risk their lives killing others, and they end up on our streets, things start to unravel. There's nothing more dangerous than a people who were taught to be proud, fighting for something that wasn't true. Because when they understand that, you have a problem. We've never really been a peaceful people. So if things begin breaking apart, with the realization that what we were told was only to keep people in power, things could get messy. And the next thing you know, the lights start going dark. The trains don't run on time. The gas stations run out of fuel. The grocery stores have shortages. People start shooting in the streets. Buildings are torched all because we thought we deserved more.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard a cut from Bernard Herrmann's composition for the 1961 movie Cape Fear. Then more work by Herrmann, assassination attempt after the carnage for the 1976 movie Taxi Driver, followed by a composition from Henry Jackman for the 2018 version of The Predator, then a piece from Alan Silvestri to Moscow from the 2013 movie Red 2, and then from Max Steiner, a cut from the 1945 movie The Treasure of Sierra Madre, and then to close, a repeat with Herman's Cape Fear. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.